Hello and welcome. I'm Joanna Yunak and this is GFN News on GFN.tv. The 10th Conference of Parties of the WHO Framework Convention on Tobacco Control is behind us. Over five days, many public health experts visited Panama alongside Brent Stafford of Record, who interviewed some of these experts, asking for their thoughts, expectations and predicted outcomes of COP10. In today's episode, we have gathered the most interesting health experts' views. First, let's hear how Konstantinos Farsalinos, a cardiologist and public health expert, answered Brent's question about e-cigarettes and smoking. You certainly uh, know what you're talking about. Now, tell us, are e-cigarettes safer than smoking? There is, there is no doubt about it. I mean, we have so many years of... Uh, evidence and evidence is growing uh, every day on the lower uh, risk potential of these products that I don't think there should be a debate today. Uh, we should be debating on why some authorities, and I'm talking about the WHO, FCTC, and some countries which have been deceived, I must say, from the WHO, by the WHO, why they are following a, an approach which is risk aversive, which accepts zero risk, and which has uh, which is completely unrealistic. Uh, you know, it's like trying to address the problem of traffic accidents and accept as the only approach that no person should ever enter a car. Uh, you understand how unrealistic that is uh, because people need the cars in the same way that people need pleasure and some people cannot um, um, avoid having a pleasure of using nicotine or inhaling something. Dr. Fasalinos also shared his thoughts on the WHO's perceptions of vaping science. Dr. Fasalinos, would you say, is it accurate to comment that WHO officials are ignoring science? They are absolutely ignoring science because the basic principle in science is that you have to look at the totality of evidence. It's not my quote. Richard Feynman was saying that the famous Nobel laureate uh, that science is the belief in the ignorance of the experts and you should always be critical towards science and look at the totality of evidence what we are seeing from the who is cherry picking studies uh, that uh, fit to the agenda to their prohibitory agenda and unfortunately i must say that what we are seeing is not using science in order to make decisions about public health but using science parts of science in order to support predetermined decisions and already made decisions and then using that part of science that fit our own decisions uh, in, uh, in, in a way of providing an argument uh, to support uh, what uh, we are suggesting. Um, the problem is that today, after so many years, several countries have fell into this, let's call it in quotes, trap of the WHO. They have made pretty bad regulatory decisions and they are paying the price every day. And I'm going to give you one characteristic example. One characteristic example is India, which was congratulated by the WHO for the decision to ban e-cigarettes. What has happened over, after the ban? The e-cigarette market skyrocketed, multiplied by several times, but 
it is 100% black market of illicit products that no one knows where they're made, no one knows how they're made, what they contain, there is nothing. And what the Indian government did, which is even stranger, they also banned research on harm reduction products. And I think it's very easy for someone to understand why they did that, because when you look at the outcome that I just mentioned of this decision, now imagine to have science present this highly adverse outcome of their decisions and present them publicly into the country. Mark Oates, director of WeVape UK, was asked if the latest news of the UK plan to ban disposable products could have an influence on COP10 decisions in the future. So, you know, down at COP, I mean, it couldn't have been the worst time to have this happen because I would imagine it's talked a lot in the rooms of, you know, of the of the panels and so forth, because, I mean, if the UK is moving in this direction, then it proves that everything the WHO has been saying about nicotine vaping must be right. Well, what the WHO have been saying about nicotine vaping is completely wrong. And I think we always had an issue with the UK. I remember an MP asked uh, the government about COP9. They said, will you take a harm reduction approach to COP9? And the government said, no, we will not. We will, though, tell them about the success of e-cigarettes. And that, for me, showed that they didn't actually understand the reasons why vaping was successful, because of harm reduction, because it's better than smoking. Uh, and fundamentally, they were always supportive of vaping but they never could see the opportunity for things like Swedish snus. Uh, and heat not burn is another one. So what's next then? Obviously, as representing thousands and thousands of consumers of safer nicotine products in the UK, is there a next step? What can be done? Well, the government are looking at a flavor ban now, restricting to four flavors, uh, menthol, mint, tobacco, and a fruit. Uh, there's talk of another consultation on that and I'm going to be working to drive as many people as possible to respond to the consultation because it's really important that people affected by this are heard. In the last consultation they mentioned flavours and 51% of people said that they didn't think they should ban flavours. So that says to me that half the respondents were vapors, and the other half were people that don't vape. Um, so in this next consultation, if there is one, if we get another chance, it's important that as many of the 4.5 million vapors respond and are heard. Um, because frankly, you know, I like cola, I like donuts. Um, but apparently, according to um, Rishi Sunak, that's not for adults, that's, that's for kids. Uh, and I, I find it really quite frustrating. Uh, you know, young people go to hospital with issues to do with underage drinking, but our response to that is not ban flavored alcohol for adults. You know, we're not talking about having just drinking methylated spirits because people like a pina colada. Um, so it really, really is important that we respond and uh, we make sure that flavors are available because, you know, people may prefer smoking a cigarette to any of those four flavors and people will die. Ginny Cameron, CEO and Managing Director of JCIC International Consultancy, discussed with Brand the global regulation of smoking cessation products. Are you saying then that while WHO is a mouthpiece, they're not really the power behind the push against nicotine vaping products? 
Well, I don't know absolutely for sure, but you can actually see that there definitely is an alliance that was agreed in 2000, um, you know, which is more than 20 years ago. That was an outcome of, of the conference, as I said, in their, their declaration at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, therefore, you have to see that, um, you know, there, the pharmaceutical industry has a lot to lose from um, the success of vaping products to, you know, as a cessation product. Um, you, you, you look at the FCTC itself and there is in Article 14D, there's a, a requirement there of for national governments that have uh, ratified the treaty to ensure that their national tobacco control programs um, include pharmaceutical products. So in a sense, they, they kind of bought, bought the, um, they bought that part of the treaty and, and, and to, I mean, and what more clever um, strategy could you have than to have the, um, the pharmaceutical industry have tobacco control activists, um, international NGOs and the WHO um, being part of your machine for um, mouth piecing your products that you wish to sell. Right. Um, and I'm um, looking very um, scathingly, but I think look at it like that. And the UK, I was really disappointed with the UK's intervention on the first day. It was like hitting the issue with a warm lettuce. It was just like, you know, they could have said so much and how it has benefited the UK and their open approach and the government's approach or their stop to swap campaign that they're, they're running all of the things that the UK government do, not one mention, but you could say the same about the Swedish government, who is the only country in the world that actually is a designated smoke-free country, having less than 5%. And the Swedish government says nothing either. And equally Japan, which um, has really moved by using heated tobacco products to a country that is significantly lower in its smoking rates, still also says nothing. So why are they not saying anything? I, I don't understand that. Um, obviously, there's pressure not to say anything, but you'd think uh, the sovereign right of states to make their interventions about what they're doing nationally should should be stronger. Actually, it's only Canada that I've not on this issue, but on the opening of the public gallery uh, debates that happened some while ago, Canada did stand up and say that this is not non-democratic, non but it hasn't continued with that. But Canada has pushed back and Cuba also pushes back as well on its industry liability issues. And now Let's hear what Roberto Sussman, a physicist and tobacco harm reduction advocate who attended the Good Cop, Bad Cop counter conference, said about the sessions. One last question, and I think it's a big one because we've not yet asked it to somebody who's attending the Good Cop, Bad Cop counter conference. What do you think of the sessions and, and the event that the Taxpayers Protection Alliance is putting on down there? Well, Everybody here has a, has a sense of mission. Uh, we know that we are on the, on the losing side of the politics because there is no resources, uh, all these things that we have mentioned, right? But uh, the, the big change, uh, we are not going to produce the big change. 
what we are doing is field work. It is a constant, uh, small step, small step, depending on our resources, our timing. Uh, we are doing field work. But the, the, the change will have to be political because we are subjected. Even the science that, I, that I'm doing, it says, I, I'm fighting a political agenda that is trying to dominate science by doing better science. But in other aspects, in other issues, regulation, uh, smoking cessation, etc., that uh, the change will have to be political. We still don't know how, but this uh, technocracy that is dominating the whole environment and is excluding everybody else and using a, a narrative, a McCarthy's narrative that is already obsolete, it is going to run into contradictions because of what I have said in previous programs, right? Consumption is increasing. The Chinese are the ones that make these products. It is not the industry, the Western industry. It is the Chinese. And, uh, and more, there's more smokers in the world, and the consumption of these products, in spite of all the bad mouth that they get, it is increasing. And uh, there's black markets. Uh, in Mexico, my own country, we have the same smoking prevalence that, as in 1999, right? And in China, the, the, it is stable and so on. So sooner or later, they will enter into contradictions. We still don't know. It is impossible to predict how. Many things can happen. That's all for today. Join us on Friday to watch Brent's interview with Martin Kalab and Lizzie Stroud, where they will be summarizing the COP10 event in Panama. Thanks for watching or listening. See you next time.